God, your best praise. Would you bless God for our worship and arts ministry? Amen. There's a word from the Lord. For those who tip in around 12 o'clock, you're going to miss at least 10 minutes of this. But God was up to something and is up to something. Amen. There's a word from the Lord. And this 10th message of this series that is simply entitled The Harvest. We invite you to a powerful Old Testament reference of Holy Scripture that is found in the book of Zechariah, Prophet Zechariah towards the end of the Old Testament. Chapter 3, verses 1 and verse 2. Is it all right if I preach now? Amen. 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 God said, do it this way. The New Living Translation. Zechariah chapter 3, verse 1 and verse 2. This text and this message fits so appropriately with what we have already experienced. What do you do when the enemy is there at your right hand? Making accusations reminding the Lord and everybody else of how awful and bad and imperfect you are. This is God's response to the enemy's accusations and the enemy's attack on us. The enemy's attempt to remind everybody how bad we are. God responds. Verse 1, chapter 3, the book of Zechariah. And it reads, then the angel showed me Jeshua, or Joshua, as the Hebrews would have pronounced, Joshua the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord. The accuser, Satan, who is the accuser? Somebody shout Satan. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Just hold that point. We'll get to it before the message is over. He was there at the angel's right hand making accusations against Joshua, the high priest. And the Lord said to Satan, this is God's response to the enemy's accusations about the people of God. And the Lord said to Satan, I, the Lord, reject your accusations, Satan. Yes, the Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebukes you devil. I added that part. <laughs> then look at these words. This man standing before us is like a burning stick. And here's where the subject is. That has been snatched from the fire. Those that love God's word said amen. amen. Quickly reach over, catch someone by the hand. Subject for this 10th message of this series is the last four words of verse number two directly. Hold those hands. Look at someone standing next to you and say, snatch from the fire. Now hold on to those hands and say, that's my testimony. I don't know about you. That's my testimony. You may be seated. The presence of the Lord. Snatch from the fire. reason I'm dirty, smell like smoke, smut all over me, because I have been <laughs> snatch. Somebody just help me say snatch. Delivered. Pulled. Rescued. Set free. Ah, 
from the fire. Listen, my brothers and sisters. Two weeks ago in the ninth message of this series, it was stated in that message that one of the fundamental principles of our Christian faith is that the Lord can save anyone. Somebody please help me say anyone. Regardless of who they are, what they may have been, or what they may have done. Somebody just to get on the devil's nerves, say anyone. anyone. That ninth message was entitled Rahab's House. God saved the worst house in town. This fundamental principle that we spoke of two weeks ago that we are referring to at the beginning of this message is simply known in theology as God's grace. The grace of God that saves anyone. <laughs> Listen, there's nothing more powerful than that. And no one is beyond the reach of God's grace. Now, there is another fundamental principle that goes along with grace, and it is called redemption. Somebody help me say redemption. Grace is the unmerited favor of God. Redemption is God redeeming, atoning for one's mistake or one's transgression. Redemption is to be rescued, to be delivered from danger, to be pulled from a destructive situation. What is so unique about redemption is that redemption, listen to this, involves a buyback. It is uh, an analogy to taking something to a pawn shop, saying that I need you to hold this Pawn shop has it. The only way you can get it back is that you've got to pay the value of that which is there and even a little more than what it is originally valued for. Somebody say buy back. Purchase back. That is what redemption is. And so when we see redemption in scriptures, think of being in a situation, being sold out, in fact, selling yourself out. Think of you pawning your soul to the enemy, <laughs> taking your integrity, your soul, your spirit, and allowing the enemy to hold on to your soul for whatever he gave you. That was not nearly as valuable as what you left him. Whew. And then God, your Savior, walking into Satan and says, I want it back. I purchased with the blood. On this first Sunday in September, nothing but the blood. What shall wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Come on! By the blood. It was the blood. Anybody know it was the blood that brought your soul back, gave you your joy back. So when we, when we see redemption in the Bible, such as in Psalms 130, verse number 7, the NIV translation says this to the nation of Israel. Israel, put your hope in the Lord. For with the Lord is unfailing love. And with him is, somebody help me declare, full redemption. He himself, amen, he himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. That is what redemption is. Redemption 
is when God goes back to get back what is yours from the enemy that you sold out to. I need you to keep that in mind as we get to the text. But before we get there, let me share with you uh, the first uh, implications in reference to redemption that is found in Scripture. It was in the first book of the Bible involving the first of humanity, Adam and Eve, in a place called the Garden of Eden. You know the story of how Satan used the serpent to communicate to Adam and Eve and to somehow convince them to sell out their destiny for just a bite of a fruit on one tree when you had every other fruit on all the other trees. Somebody say the devil is a liar. Isn't that just like the enemy? Convince us to go for something that looks better on the other side, not knowing that God has already set your destiny. God has already determined that you're blessed and highly favored. So the serpent convinces uh, Adam and Eve, and, 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 and the serpent, the uh, text says, beguiled or tricked the woman, who then ate and gave to Adam, who was there, who also took of the fruit. But before God excommunicated them from the garden, God had said to Adam, this is your punishment. From the brow, your brow, you will work the ground and you will toil all the days of your life. To the woman, you shall bear pain in childbirth. And for the rest of your life, you will experience this pain. And then he turned to the serpent. And he wanted the serpent to take this message to the devil, Satan. He says, you may think you have won because you have bruised the heel of humanity. God says, uh, but in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15, but through the seed of a woman, it will bruise your head. Uh, you may have won the battle, but you're going to lose the war. God said, through the seed of that which you beguiled and tricked, I'm going to birth a Messiah. Through the Messiah, the Messiah will crush your head. Somebody say redemption. Ah, uh, God knew that one day he would buy back that which we sold out to the enemy. And with that in mind, we look at the text. Look at this text that God shares with us in this wonderful prophetic book of Zechariah. In this text, we see God talking about the theology of redemption even before the birth of Christ. Our text is found in one of the most unique and prophetic books in all of the Bible. For in this one book with 14 chapters, there are several detailed messianic references to Jesus Christ. I'm going somewhere. You remember in the garden, he said there will be a seed of the woman that will conquer you and bruise your head. And so throughout the prophetic writings, God speaks to Zechariah. In fact, he shares eight visions with Zechariah about the future and about what God is doing. But in order to understand it, Zechariah, I've got to show you what the enemy is up to now. For it was written by Zechariah to a group of Jews who had just returned to Jerusalem after 70 hard years of captivity in Babylon. Allow me just the homiletical liberty to put this in some context for you. Uh, Israel and Judah were evil. And God used nations that were more evil than they were uh, to enact God's punishment on them. So God takes them to 
strange land just to teach them a lesson. I said to the church this morning at the early service, don't get totally discouraged when you end up in a strange place and your back is against the wall. Sometimes God uses a hard place to teach you a valuable lesson. Can I preach? Sometimes in order to get your attention, God's got to allow us to hit rock bottom. And some of our lessons are learned at the University of Hard Knocks and Rock Bottom. Until we hit our head on the ground and realize that God has been good to us all along. And God says, I've got to teach you some things. And sometimes I use evil people to teach you to lean on me. I wish I had a witness of somebody in here who prayed more as the devil bothered you more. Any witnesses? As the enemy attacked you, you prayed more. You got off social media. You turned off the television and you fell on your knees and called on the name of the Lord. Don't fool me now, but is there anybody in the house that your enemy caused you to get on your knees? And if it had not been for the attack of the enemy, you would still be walking around like you were all of that. But when you fell flat, and when the enemy came in like a flood, God allowed you to pray, and the enemy thought he had you, but what the devil does not know is that he's been used by God to usher you to a different level of anointing in your life. Come on and testify, David. David said it wasn't until I hit rock bottom that I wrote creating me a clean heart and renewing me a right spirit. Come on and testify, Joseph. Joseph said it was in Egypt that I realized my destiny. And I could not have been angry at my brothers because they were being used by God to usher me to another level of anointing. And when David met his brothers, he says, what you meant for evil, God meant it for my good. Just lean over and look at somebody and say, everything the devil throws at you will be used to elevate you. It won't take you out, but it will lift you up. I feel like preaching. I just need a handful of witnesses that took the devil's mess and became stronger and better and more anointed and pray more. And, and you got a better prayer life because you went through hell and high water. That sickness did not take you out. That divorce did not take you out. That betrayal did not take you out. But somehow it forced you to do like King Hezekiah did and turn your face to the wall. And that's just where God wanted you to be. Because sometimes God's got to use trouble to get our attention for us to realize if it had not been Who am I preaching to? Show me the hands of those who went through something and came out better. You ought to send your enemy a text, a, a tweet, or a something and just say thank you. And they don't know what you're talking about. Don't remind them. Just say thank you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you. Because what you taught me is how to rely on God. So here's the text. In Babylon, by the rivers of Babylon, may I preach this? Woo! Thought they had lost their joy. In fact, when they were asked to sing the songs of Zion, Psalms 137 tells us they responded by saying, how can we sing God's song in a strange land? Ooh. But while they were in Babylon, they learned 
skills. They learn crafts. They learn how to build. They learn how to shape. They learn how to read and study Babylonian literature. They learned from the best of them why nobody else could attack them. You thought you were in trouble, but God said you were just under construction. Who am I preaching to? Y'all help me preach. Please touch somebody say you're under construction. Construction doesn't look good. Construction gets messy. But when you come out of this, when God finish up, whoo, tell somebody, you haven't seen anything yet. When God gets through, so just bear with me a little bit. Got to give you a little history lesson in order for you to understand this. 538 BC, God raises up king by the name of Cyrus. Ah, and God uses Cyrus in his infinite stages uh, to defeat the Babylonians and Nebuchadnezzar in his regime. Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians captured Judah and the people of God. But only God, I preached this at Rehoboth last week, only God can take a nation more evil than your enemies to defeat your enemy. So God raises up them and, and God uses, touches the heart of Cyrus. Cyrus in 538 BC issues an edict that's recorded even in natural history. And the edict says those from Israel now has the, have the permission of the king to return back to Jerusalem. And look at this. Look at somebody and say, watch this. God says, start rebuilding your temple. Start rebuilding your walls. God said, I'll raise up leaders that came from Babylon, educated in Babylon, that would do what I've called them to do. So look at this, if you will, put it in some context. God raises up leaders at the same time. Haggai was a prophet that only prophesies for months. Two months in Haggai's reign, God calls Zechariah. In the same time of Zechariah, God sends Nehemiah and says, what you learn in Babylon, go back and build the walls of Jerusalem. And Nehemiah, as you are rebuilding the walls, I call Ezra to go rebuild the temple and reestablish temple protocol. And I know you need a leader, so God calls Zerubbabel to be the governor of Jerusalem. And in all of that, here's where the text makes sense. God says you need a shepherd. You need a high priest. You need somebody to go before the Lord on your behalf. So God reaches way down. Oh, you got to go with me. And God calls a man named Joshua. Some refer to him as Jeshua. And God says to Joshua, you shall be the high priest. I have called you to lead our people. But we are told, uh, God said to Joshua, the enemy is not going to like that. The enemy will come to discourage you. How many of you know Satan is still a discourager? Anybody discourages you is an agent of the devil. Can I say that again? They may dress up like a friend, but friends don't start conversations like, I just want you to know something. Can I preach? Friends start conversations like when folk come to your friends with stuff on you, friends rebuke it in the name of Jesus. Can I get a witness? And so here is Joshua, the high priest, raised up from the bottom, raised up with issues. Joshua was so far from 
perfect. Joshua had shortcomings, imperfections, issues that everybody knew about. And so Joshua was a little discouraged because the folks said, how can you be the anointing? I know what you used to be. Isn't that just like the devil? Isn't that like the enemy to remind you of what you used to be? How many of you ever had enemies in your life that when you tried to do what God had called you to do, still wanted to bring up your past, still wanted to remind you of how bad off you used to be? So God sends a vision to Zechariah. God says, Zechariah, let me show you this prophetic vision. Uh, he puts Zechariah to sleep and shows him the high priest Joshua standing before the angel of the Lord. But his garments were filthy. <laughs> he was dirty. He was smutty. He smelt like smoke. Uh, uh, he had all kind of issues around him. And, and Satan, the accuser, was right there to accuse Joshua of all he had done wrong. Can I put a word in your spirit? Touch your neighbor and say, neighbor. The devil is still an accuser. The devil still reminds everybody of all your shortcomings without any road to redemption. But that's all right. God said, I got this. And he says, Zachariah, here is Joshua with a dirty robe, with filthy garments, smell like smoke. And here comes the devil saying, I remind you, God, of how imperfect this man is. I remind you when Joshua was a liar. I remind you when Joshua was not a believer. And the Bible says God rejected the accusations of the enemy. Pause right there. Note it did not say God denied it because everything Satan said about Joshua was true there's a difference over what you used to be and who you're going to be everything the devil says about you is not always a lie some things the devil says about what you used to be is true can I speak to some folk that don't mind saying I was a gambler, a backbiter, an alcoholic, a drug addict. I had all kinds of issues, but God. I reject your acquisitions. In other words, God became the judge and the lawyer me Holy Ghost <laughs> Satan he goes on to say the Lord rebuke you I'm here to tell you stop fighting your enemies too many of us are reactive we, we respond to everything folks say about us I got to get it off my chest. No, you don't. Not when God is on your side. You, you need to put a suitcase in your chest and lock some things up and say, I know it, but I ain't saying anything. I know you don't like me, but you'll never know that I know you don't like me because God is helping me. If God be for you, who can be against you? Here it is, choir. Stand still and watch the Lord fight your battle. I heard God said to the man of God when they were under attack, you have no need to fight this fight for the battle is not yours, said the Lord. Help me grab somebody by the hand and say, neighbor, Stop reacting. Stop fighting. Stop wearing your emotions all over you. 
Don't let the devil know they got to you. You got to learn how to shout amidst confusion and abuse and neglect. Give God your best. Somebody take about 30 seconds to stand to your feet. Think about something the enemy is attacking you over right now. And here's your response to the enemy. Stand still. Tell your neighbor, I'm not fighting. I am not responding. I am not reacting. You will never know I know what you said or what you're trying to do. Because every time I see you, I say, hey, how you doing? Hope your family is doing well. I still love you, and I know you dog me out. Let me preach in the southern church. But when God is fighting your battles, why do you need to fight? Can I preach? May I preach? Y'all sit down, let me preach. The great theologian of past years by the name of Matthew Henry writes in his dissertation of the text, Dr. Cheryl Washington, note, Joshua never opened his mouth. Somebody got to catch this. Wait a minute, it's hard not to say anything when folk accusing you of everything. Joshua never responded. Why? Because when God's got this, you don't have to respond. Tell somebody, stop responding. When God is on your side, you don't have to respond to everything. And so here is Joshua. Standing before the Lord, Satan making accusations. God said to the devil, Joshua's mouth is shut. <laughs> because Joshua knew everything Gloria Satan said was true. His garment was filthy. His reputation was horrible. But God said, I know what you know, devil. But this is something you don't know. This man, verse number two, is like a burning stick that has been snatched from the fire. Look at somebody and say, I was in it. I did it. I was a part of it. The enemy had me. But thanks be to God, I have been snatched from the fire. God said to Satan, you know what he's done, but you have no idea what he's going to be. The devil doesn't know your future. He tries to impact your future. And God said he is a burning stick. He is somebody that's been snatched from the fire. The devil had me. Look at somebody and say, yes, he did. Any witnesses in here? You were on your way to hell and not even enjoying the trip. Preach Pastor Jackson. He had you lying. He had you mad. He had you cussing. He had you fighting. He had you doing things out of his will. You were in the midst of the fire. The text doesn't even say he was on his way to the fire. He was in the fire. You were guilty as guilty could be. But redemption... Through God's hand of redemption, 
He reached in the fire, pulled you out, brought you out. And look at what the text says. Go down to verse number four of the text. So the angel said to the others standing there witnessing. I know his clothes are bad. Let me paraphrase this. The text says, he says, but take off his filthy clothes. Ooh, but God, somebody ought to give God a praise. Your flesh was infested with fleshly filthiness. But God took off your filthy clothes. Turning to Joshua, he said, I have taken away your sins. And now I'm giving you these five new clothes. Things I used to do, I don't do anymore. Places I used to go, I don't go anymore. Stand to your feet and help me preach this and say, neighbor, thanks be to God that I almost lost everything. But God rescued me out of the enemy's hand. The devil had me. I'm not talking about thought he had me. But Elder Van Ellis, the devil had me. Anybody in here, you know you were in the hands of the devil. But look at you now. Look at somebody and say, I've been snatched, rescued, delivered, pulled out, out of the hands of the enemy. Give God your best praise. Look at somebody and say, neighbor, what you see now is not what I've always been. If you only knew how bad off I really was. If you only knew what God brought me out of. If you only knew how far God brought me from. I've got to give God a praise. When I think of his goodness and all he's done for me, my soul cries out, hallelujah, come on and bless you. Bless the Lord, bless the Lord, bless the Lord, bless the Lord at all times. Meet me at the altar. Anybody who's been redeemed, anybody who's been delivered, come on, come on, come on down. Touch your neighbor, say, neighbor, thank God for redemption. Thank God for another chance. Thank God. For the Lord, you got 30 seconds. Come on, musicians, to give God your best praise for bringing you
Lift those hands all over this place. Isn't this the one whose garments are filthy? The text says, Satan the accuser stood before the Lord and reminded God of all of Joshua's imperfections, all of his shortcomings. Listen to what the Lord says. This man is like a burning stick snatched from the fire. You may still smell like smoke. You may still walk around in dirty garments for the moment. But God is in the process of changing your wardrobe. <laughs> Taking off that fleshly, filthy garment. Putting on a garment of spiritual righteousness. And the reason you don't desire to go to places you used to desire to go, because God has changed you. Ooh. God has changed you. There's a change that has happened in your life. You've been redeemed. Look at somebody and says, I've been redeemed. If anybody asks you just who I am, tell them I've been redeemed. Now, redeemed doesn't mean you are perfect. It just simply means you've been brought back with the price that God snatched you from the fire. Come on, cry as you bless us. Walk down those aisles. Come stand wherever you are. perfect. None of us are.
Listen, take your arms and place it around somebody's shoulders. Snatch from the fire. I need everyone to listen to this. There's someone in here this day. You felt so unworthy. Because it seems like every time you thought about making that move, the enemy reminded you of what you used to be. And how filthy and how dirty and how bad off you used to be. One of the highlights that we're going to talk about Tuesday is this. Whenever you go before the Lord, the enemy is right there to remind God of what you used to be. But here's the good news. God reminds the enemy, I already know that. And I've still chosen to bless you. Ooh, you're blessed and highly favored. Listen, someone in this audience right now, God is calling you to another level. You don't have to be perfect. The truth is, none of us are. There are no perfect churches. There are no perfect people. But you can be redeemed. And that's a privilege that even the angels in heaven cannot claim. The old church used to sing a song. There's a song in my heart that the angels cannot sing. I've been redeemed. Question is, do you accept what God is doing to you? So close those eyes right now. Listen, someone in here, if you're bold enough after this prayer to just step out at this altar, just meet me here. So here I am, Pastor Jackson. I am like Joshua. My garments are filthy. I've tried to break habits that I could not break on my own. I tried to drop associations that I could not break off on my own. But with the help of God, God said to those that are around them, note the text. And I deal with this Tuesday. God tells the people around Joshua, this is what I'm going to do for him. I'm going to take off his filthy garments and I'm going to put on garments of righteousness. God can save you. God can clean you. God can make a way. Look at somebody and say, yes, he can. Here's my question to you. Just before we pray, where do you stand with God? Not with the church, not with your parents, not your family's religion, but where are you with God? And if you want a deeper, more fulfilling relationship, meet me at this altar. Lord, we thank you. We bless you. Brought with a price, we are redeemed. We are not perfect. Like Joshua the high priest, oftentimes we stand before you with filthy garments. We have things in our past that we're not proud of. But I'm so glad you rebuked the enemy on our behalf. And you reminded the devil we've been snatched from the fire. We say thank you. You're snatching some folk from the fire today. You're doing it right now, Lord. In fact, it is already done. In Jesus' name we pray. Those who know it is already done said amen. Amen. Tell somebody snatch from the fire. Come on, if you want to make that decision today, you want to be redeemed right now, just meet me right here. If you want to join the church, if you want, if you want God to do something for you, come on, young man, others. Come stand, others are coming. Thank you, young man. I'll just tell them, tell them. Look at God.
Thank you, brother. I am. Others are coming right now. I am. Walk down the aisle. Thank you, brother. Others are coming. Look at God. Come on. Everybody. Others are coming. Come on. You ought to clap those hands up. Somebody else, God's calling you. God, look at God. Thank you, young lady. Come on. Everybody ought to be on your feet, clapping your hands. Look at Snatch from the fire. Anyone else? Look at God. All of these are. Would you give God a hand of praise for me? As we take them in there. Give God a hand of praise. thank God for the word of God. And while you're yet standing, we're going to come now and present to God our tithe and our offering as the deacons take their place. He asked that you would.